And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I'm down to dunk. And I'm down to dunk. I'm down to dunk. This is J-Dub, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shaco Alexander, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lindy Waters, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala, and I'm down to dunk. This is J-Will, and I'm down to dunk. This is Kenneth Williams, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to dunk. We say this is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> this is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Slack. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Wednesdays, is my good friend Alex Spears. Alex, oh, what's up? What's up, Andrew? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. The Thunder. Coming off a pretty big win, yeah, in Atlanta, second longest winning streak in the league. Wow, <laughs> tied with like sixteen. Speaking to the parody of the league, this is this music to Adam Silver's ears over here. Uh, I would say that they'd have a chance to have the longest one, but the Lakers, I think, are on a back-to-back tonight against New Orleans, who have the longest streak. Yeah, so New Orleans is probably going to go to five straight. Uh, oh wait, no, they don't. Okay, so we do have a chance. Oh, it's Detroit. They play Detroit. Never mind. No, yeah, yeah. Detroit's been better lately, Andrew. They're frisky. They're Detroit's frisky. been winning some games. I feel like night. this is this is the most frisky time of the season so far. Mm-hmm. Everyone is being frisky. Like Houston's winning like impressive games. You know, beating Phoenix and yeah. I forget who they beat the other night. Uh, Detroit's winning some games. Orlando's not. Orlando's but, not. <laughs> but there's a lot of friskiness. The Lakers. Are winning some games. The the West. So I'm writing a, a show for uh for today for the Athletic NBA show, and I'm just like looking for different topics, and like one of the things that really stands out is just like how clumped up the West is. You know. Yeah, it's it's wild. I I haven't done it yet, but I did want to look back and see like, is this the earliest in a season that you know what is it? Thirteen of the fifteen teams have gotten the double digit wins. Um. Because it is so clumped up, especially if you're just looking at like the top ten, yeah, you know the playing teams up to Phoenix. I mean, separated by three and a half games, <laughs> and the fact that there's teams just nipping at their heels with Minnesota, OKC, and LA. I mean, yeah. if, if any one of those teams up top has a significant injury and goes on a stretch where the you know like two and eight in 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 a ten game stretch, like they're they're screwed. Yeah. Absolutely, you're screwed. And and you go on like a three game win streak, like the Mavs did. Well, I mean, last week we were talking about like, is everything okay with the Mavs? Mavs going to be okay? They're going to miss the playoffs. You know, like, and now they're at seventh. They're just a half a game back of the Clippers at six. Yeah, they're they're they've won some. They've had some really quality wins, but it still feels like, oh, okay, yeah, they're fine. That's all it takes in the West right now. And if it is, and if the Thunder like go on like, if the Thunder went on like a six game win streak. They'd be the they'd be the play in. Oh, for sure. 
And not only that, but like th- th- this is one of the reasons why I, I'm enjoying this season um, because it feels like OKC being competent is having potential league-wide implications because if they do continue winning, I mean, last week we were talking about this stretch starting with the Spurs being a one and four stretch most likely. Yeah. And they're three and oh, so they're far on three it. in a row. <laughs> like yeah. if, if they continue doing this, the pressure that is going to be put on some of these teams above them uh-huh. is going to get interesting. And I wonder who pivots because there's a few teams that just can't pivot. Yeah. LA, there's no reason to pivot Yeah, for LA. Apparently there's no reason to make a trade either. They're just going to live in this uh, limbo forever. They, they keep like kicking the can down the road a little bit. And I mean, not really but, to their credit, but I guess to their credit, they've played better lately. Yeah. But what I love is that the three teams that you would think would be potentially competitive but are outside of the plan, Minnesota, OKC, and LA. Minnesota and LA have zero reason to pivot because they don't own their picks. Yeah. And then OKC is that third team. And so somebody, and maybe it's the Jazz. Like the Jazz have slowly been falling down. They're still good. They're still 14 and 12. Yeah. But they're way closer to being able to pivot and it not seem like a big deal than it seemed like two weeks ago. Yeah. And the Timberwolves are begging them to pivot. Please, please pivot. Please pivot. Somebody <laughs> pivot. You already pivoted by trading us who we thought was like a star right. <laughs> center. But if you'll just pivot one more time for us, please, and make room for us in there, we really need to get in. So, oh uh, so yeah, so I, I just, I mean, the West is just a blast right now. Oh, and I awesome. love that OKC is just sort of involved. There's they're, they're a player. Under it. It's not like I think they're going to make the play-in or anything. Or make yeah. The playoffs. Yeah. I, but I just like that they're, they're in the conversation. They're, they're ha- they have to be on these teams' minds a little bit. Yeah. I mean, they have a better point differential than the Timberwolves. They have the same point differential as the Blazers. Yeah. I mean, that's... Better than the Clippers. Yeah, the Clippers are weird, aren't they? I mean, you look at the Clippers. They're Clip- very weird. You look at the Clippers' net rating. The Thunder have a better net rating than the Clippers, too. They are... Um, well, let's see. Yeah, the Clippers are minus 1.4, which is worse than the Lakers and the Thunder. Yeah. Then, you know, their story is all just Kawhi and PG, and Kawhi was back for a game and they just won them a game. So. Bare, barely beat Mason Plumley and the Hornets. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they needed a buzzer beater. They needed some. They needed so like a cut. There were like two plays down the stretch that really went their way. Um, Rozier was on fire in the fourth and almost won them that game. Anyways, you're not here to listen to the Hornets Clippers Buzzbeat. We gotta talk. We gotta go listen to the Buzzbeat podcast. Get out of here. Um, we gotta talk about this Thunder team, man. They they beat Trey Young, which is like a whole story in itself. You know, the whole Trey Young saga and his interview was just so, so weird at shoot around before the game. But the Thunder looked awesome and they did it in a very similar fashion to the game before where Shea's sitting in the fourth. The game is kind of controlled again by Jalen Williams in the bench. And yeah, I thought the 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 difference, the juxtaposition of the two lineups that got them back into that game. Because the first one was that group in the third, because they were down by 14 points. Yeah. And the run starts with Isaiah Joe hitting a three. But the lineup on the court at that time was just Shea 
and bench shooters. Mm -hmm. And we're going to call Usman a bench shooter because he was hitting his shots, he made shots. that night. <laughs> so he, for, the, for that one night, he was a bench shooter. <laughs> but having him, so Shea, Usman, Mike Muscala, Isaiah Joe, Aaron Wiggins. Like the, I don't think we've seen that five-man group before. But it's it, awesome. It, they, it's, it's impossible that they did. <laughs> yeah, it, it is kind <laughs> of impossible. <laughs> but the the difference between what that lineup did, so that lineup I think brought it back to like four. Yeah. Um, going into the fourth, they played together five minutes. Their offensive rating was two hundred, so they were like a plus ninety in those minutes. On the flip side, then you start the fourth, and it's basically the starters subbing out Shea for Trey Mann. Mm -hmm. That group is a complete opposite. They their defensive rating was like 66. So they just started turning the ball over for the Hawks, preventing the Hawks from doing anything good. And and, and the Hawks, you know, they were kind of in like this rut offensively uh during that early part of the fourth. But I just love those two lineups because I don't know if we've seen those exact lineups before. Yeah. And the Shea one in particular, I don't know if Shea's ever been surrounded by that much shooting on the court at one time. Yeah. When you have Muscala, Isaiah Joe. Aaron Wiggins, who, by the way, is shooting 39% from three this year. And then Usman, who, for one night, was nailing them. Yeah, they did have that. That was a really fun lineup. They did have that one stretch where they played Lindy Waters and Isaiah Joe and Muscala together. Ooh, that might that might even be more super-powered. Yeah, that was the bomber. What, it is, what did he call it? Marco, like the bomber the, the bomber team? I don't know. Definitely not that. I can't remember what he <laughs> called it. Something like that. Called uh, the Midwest City Bombers. He called them the Midwest City Bombers. <laughs> yeah. I thought Jang was obviously I mean, he was great. He made shots. He you know his spacing was good, not only from three, but he kind of knew where to position himself in the dunker spot. Uh, I think that was like early on in the game. That was good. I wish he would dunk it a little harder, you know, just like give me yeah. give me give me a little little juice there. Uh, yeah, it's 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 hard to evaluate him offensively because it's like if he makes his shots it's gonna look like a great game like yeah. It, yeah, like yeah. if he makes whatever if you make three threes in that game um I think that's like right. yeah that's yeah. gonna be an awesome game it, everything that he did well in that game was in a very limited role um yeah. where he's just spotting up for wide open threes or positioned himself like you said around the best i think he got like we well, got a dunk that way, but then he got a transition dunk mm -hmm. that way as well, um, which is all great. You saw, though, moments when he tried to do more offensively. He had a couple of like bad turnovers where he's just like dribbling so far out from his body because mm -hmm. his arms are so long. Um, and defensively, I like him so much better on the perimeter. He, he's, he's like such more of a drop force, yeah. whereas I feel like when he's around the rim, he just doesn't provide enough resistance yet. Like he he just he, oh, no. he bounces off yeah. guys too easily, um, and that that'll come with time. He's 19 years old, so yeah. I'm not like worried about it. But defensively, I like him a lot more when he's being asked to do stuff on the perimeter, which is hard to do on this team because the way to find him minutes is to play him as a big. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think you I mean he is more of a wing. He played as more of a wing um, last season, but. I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see how that evolves too, because Poku when he came over was more of a wing as well. Even like last yeah. season was more of a wing, and but he's like a legit six eleven, and so you just 
it's just to me that just means you can do a lot with him. He's a lot smoother than Poku ever was, you know, as yeah, a player and just like more fluid. Um, but, but you, yeah, you see great. the difference between like guys like Usman and Poku, and like what we were watching with Chet in the highlights. Like <laughs> Chet as like a primary shot blocker is just like a different beast. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah like yeah. the way he uses his body because he he can get, bounce off of guys too mm-hmm. because he of his thin frame but he's so good at using those arms to still stay in the play yeah where i feel like especially you see this with poku a lot of times he will just kind of be disintegrated like at the rim Mm -hmm. by guys and he gets his blocks other ways yeah which makes me excited about that potential combo going forward like if you had poku as more of you know let him do the weak side blocking like surge back in the day and then you have chet as the main protector um, and maybe pairing him with Jang going forward could potentially work as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's the cool thing about this team is that there's so many interchangeable parts where there are very few players that are like, hey, this is the position you play, and that's the only position you can play. You know, I think. Yeah, there are not very many guys like that. I think like Dort is one of them where he's just obviously like a wing, you know. He's, but he's like but a, a six. With his wing. size, he defensively he he can do more against you know certain teams. Yeah, that's true. And then Trey Mann would be the other one, I think. Yeah, Trey is where it's probably like, limited. Yeah, he's just sense. a guard, which is okay. Like you need players that can do the things that Trey does as well. Um, Isaiah Joe came in and played some good minutes too. He was three or four from the field, where which were all from three. And just kind of continues to be productive almost every time he's put on the court. And it's, I mean, you talked about it a little bit earlier, but it's just nice having some shooting around the the league leader in drives. It's amazing. And it kind of goes to the idea that we heard people talking about when uh, Detroit made the trade for Bogdanovich. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Obviously, some people thought that was going to be like the thing that pushed them to the plane or whatever because they were the most bet over. But there were a lot of smart people saying, yeah, maybe this doesn't affect their win-loss total that much, but it's going to help the development of guys of the young guys on their team just by having a legitimate spacer. Yeah, I am not saying that Isaiah Joe is in the same class as Bogdanovich as a player, <laughs> but it's having a similar effect when he's on the court. Yeah, Because when a guy is shooting 46% from three, like – that is the type of thing that we were talking about these last couple of years where, man, if you could just have a r- realistic spacer on this team, man, that would help Shea so much. Mm-hmm. And when you put two on the court with him and Muscala, because those guys I like really believe in, even though I know Muscala hasn't been shooting well this year, like th- those lineups can be really excited. And so I hope there's a role for those types of uh, shooting role players going forward. Um, there was a really good, I don't know if you call it an article, blog post, a Substack post by... Uh, oh, uh, Box and Pl- One. Yeah, Adam Spinella. Yeah. He wrote uh, two things about the Thunder, one about J-Dub, but the other one about Isaiah Joe. And I just wanted to read the, the closing paragraph here. Yep. He said, the, the conundrum for teams is quite clear. During developmental seasons, do they give the important reps to youngsters they have high hopes for and draft based on their potential upside? Or do they find ways to value shooting role players that make it easier to identify star play and simplify the game for those stars? The answer isn't at either pole, but somewhere in between. 
Still, the danger in drafting so many young players is that it makes harder to justify the shooting role players like Isaiah Joe, who just make everyone's lives easier. And I think in past seasons, you know, I, I mean, I remember complaining about it, and we talk about it on Twitter, where we would win these like stupid games that ultimately didn't matter. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it was because Muscala would come in and be like a plus <laughs> 20 in 14 minutes. And as much as we love Muscala, like, yeah, when you talk about OKC's timeline, he's a little bit older than the other guys on this roster. Yeah. But with Isaiah Joe, it's like, this guy's 23. Yeah. What if he is like a legitimate 45% three-point shooter? Who knows? But if he really is, like that is a piece that any team in the league would have to play. In fact, I went and looked. I just went to NBA.com backslash stats and just sorted by three-point percentage. So uh, Isaiah Joe taking 2.9 threes per game this year. So I just made that the cutoff. The He is by far playing the fewest minutes of the guys who are shooting, let's just say, over 40%. Mm-hmm. Like I, I mean, you can go down to the top 100 in three-point percentage. The next lowest is Sam Hauser, who's he's getting 17 minutes on the Boston Celtics, yeah. on the best team in the league. So like Isaiah Joe can play for any of these teams. And he, I think, at least deserves Sam Hauser minutes. You know, like, there's no reason why this guy shouldn't get, like, 16 to 20 minutes on a normal team. Yeah. The problem is with OKC, like, okay, who are you cutting? Because you legitimately have to, like, cut someone. Yeah. Yeah. You likely have to not play someone. Yeah, who would it be? I mean, that's that's the hard thing is – and also, like, you can say, too, if they were – just trying to maximize wins this year only. And that was the only goal. Uh, I mean, I think they'd play Isaiah Joe more. You know, you wouldn't waste time developing players, but that's not that, the that, case. That's just not where they're at. And, and that's what makes it so interesting. Think Comparing this to last season, you know, we always talk about, like, when are they going to pull the lever? Like, when are they going to pivot? Mm-hmm. Like, pivoting this year – Legitimately would mean playing Isaiah Joe more minutes. Yeah. Who we're talking about wanting to get more minutes. Mm-hmm. So like I do. Yes. Obviously if like Shea suddenly isn't playing, that's going to be a, a huge determining factor. But if Isaiah Joe's suddenly getting 25 <laughs> minutes a game, if Aaron Wiggins is suddenly getting 25 minutes a game, like I don't think that's going to be a huge drop off in the way that it was last year when you're bringing in guys like Isaiah Roby or Teo Maladon or Vit Krejci, who was was playing in this game. Yeah. I was very surprised that Vit is just uh, is getting minutes. Good for him. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they have injuries. So yeah, they he, do. He plays. But, yeah, I mean, that is that is what's tough, is like who amongst the the players on this team that have a guaranteed contract are you saying, man, they should probably not play as much as they do? And I think pe- what the names that people will bring up, I'm not saying this is right. I'll explain the reasoning. They'll bring up Trey Mann just because he's playing poorly right now. He's, yeah, he's at a tough stretch. Or they'll bring up Dort because Dort offensively, who has been better over this recent stretch, mm-hmm. there are times like in that game against Atlanta where for as good as he was defensively, there were some like really bad offensive plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the one in particular that I thought was going to cost them the game. I thought it was like a turning point when Josh... And to be fair to Dort, Josh kind of waited a little, like a split second too long to make that pass, yeah. to make it a little bit more contested. But Dort missed like a, a a layup, and it went down the other side of the court, and somehow they got 
you know, somebody missed the shot. And so it ended up not mattering as much, but that's, that's the other name people bring up. Like why is Dort playing 32 minutes? Mm -hmm. Why couldn't he play, you know, 25 minutes, which may be his role when this team is fully formed. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know. He's, he still offers so much defensively. He's so important to what they do defensively. Oh yeah. Yeah. They, they need his point of attack defense to be competitive. And like that's yeah. why he plays. That's why he plays thirty minutes, especially against a team like this. But yeah, there's there are some rough offensive moments, you know, especially from three. I think he airballed a three pretty badly. He did. Um, yeah. You know, he's taken. He just he just takes some really tough shots. Like he takes these runners, and we all know about his struggles at the rim. But he took a couple runners that just kind of clanged out during this game. We're just like, man, that just seems a little unnecessary, <laughs> you know. And honestly, if he's taking ten shots a game, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Like, who cares? Yeah. But when he's taking sixteen, when he's the the second highest shot taker on the team, yeah, that's where it starts getting a little exhausting. Just because you know that you have someone like J Dub who's super efficient, yeah, and can barely get more than double digit attempts most nights, yeah. And there's just other guys you would rather those shots go to, yeah. And, I, and some of that is aggressiveness. Like Dort is aggressive. Like definitely. Dort's confident in himself. Definitely. And some of these other guys just aren't to that point yet, where they're willing to try to take over. Yeah, and, and it's Dort, not even. Dort is definitely willing. Yeah, I don't even know if it's even like for J Dub. It's, I think it's just a matter of him just like understanding what is and isn't an efficient shot for him. And like you yeah. know, it's like if okay, that's not there. Let me pass it on. You know, Dort's like everything feels good to me. You know, I'll do, I'll do it. I'll do anything. You know, I'll try anything. Right. And he's still developing. He's still only 23 years old. So, you know, I, you hate to like, a lot of people, it's easy to like, just put a ceiling on him and just like put a cap on him. Like, yeah, he's, he's done. He is who he is. But like Dork could still get better and still needs these developmental minutes, but it does feel like we're heading toward, you know, when Chet's back and if the Thunder get like a top eight pick or maybe they get lucky and it, jumps up to the top four if they get one of those picks in this next draft which i still think is pretty likely you know you're gonna people's roles are gonna change like the way we think about this team is gonna change a lot and especially i think dort who just cannot be the second leading scorer anymore when especially when Chad comes back if there's one thing that's frustrating about this team right now in what has otherwise been a very enjoyable season it is that everyone else seems to be in a role that mm-hmm. might make sense in the future other than Dort. <laughs> like as yeah. much as I want to see J dub like explode, like the, the role he's in for a rookie makes sense. Mm-hmm. The, the, nothing really bothers me about that. The role all of these other guys are in really makes sense. I mean, even someone like Giddy, who I think they've managed much differently than they did last year. I think what they're doing there makes sense. It's just Dort. It's just Dort where it feels like offensively, like when are we going to see him pull back a little bit? Yeah. Just it, a little. Yeah. Not happening this season unless, unless somehow, like, I, th- I think, honestly, I think it's J Dub that would take him out of it. But yeah, I don't think they're going to remove him from the starting lineup. They haven't done that all season. And. You know, I just I just think this is what it is for now. But things yeah. will things will have to change. Like they will have to 
If they want to have an if they want to have an efficient offense, they have to obviously run things through Shea and Giddy, run things through J Dub, obviously. And then Dort is and we've talked about this before, but he's like dancing the Dylan Brooks line. And like which way is he gonna go? Is he gonna be more of a role player or is he gonna be more of what Dylan Brooks is for the Grizzlies where it's like yeah Dylan Brooks is he's a good NBA player obviously an NBA player that could play on a lot of different teams and I think Dort is as well but there's just times with Brooks where you're just like man you're doing too much <laughs> like we're we're out here trying to win 50 games we're out here trying to win a playoff series you know um this is not this is not the way that we can you know this is not the way to go and so I just wonder I just wonder about Dort and and if he can make that transition next season to becoming more of just like a role player is like I take spot up shots I attack and transition if there's a closeout that makes sense I'll attack that um, but yeah the shot selection stuff needs to be cleaned up for for Dort in the future this year it's I'm kind of like yeah whatever but next year when Chet Holmgren is in the lineup it's like okay so it's, it's time. <laughs> It's time for you to to change a little bit. You know, you've gotten paid. Thunder brought you up, but like your your real calling card is defense. And then we know you can score, and we need you to score. You know, we can't have you be a non-scorer, but we need to find efficient shots for you somehow. And I still think that for all you know, this sounds really negative about Dort. He has had multiple games this season where he has played the role that we're talking about. Yeah. And it and it's all made sense. It's just sometimes when it when it's bad, it sticks out in a way, mm-hmm. um, and so it's easy to talk about. But what do you think about the idea of a consolidation trade this season, like in season? This season? Yeah. No, I'm not talking about like trading for a star, anything mm-hmm. like that. I just got a hair. Where'd that hair come from? <laughs> uh, I'm not talking about like trading for a star or anything. Yeah. I'm just talking about trying to clean up the roster a little bit before next summer because you're, you're gonna have to do it at some point yeah it's going to happen i mean yeah. looking at the uh, like poku is such an interesting example of this a guy who we've been talking about for the majority of this season yeah as having like you know kind of a breakout year for poku yeah it's been very exciting mm-hmm. you look at his game by game minutes played over this last stretch, it's like eight minutes, 27 minutes, 17 minutes, 20 minutes, 13 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's still been like very variable. Yeah. And it's kind of nice having guys off the bench Mark can go to when he thinks that Poku isn't doing whatever he's, he wants to do. Mm-hmm. But I just felt like the, the minutes distribution in that game was like the best example of how tough this is. Yeah. Because Bayes didn't even play. Didn't play? Probably shouldn't have played. Just saying. And yet, Poku, 13 minutes. Usman Jang, 19 minutes. Mike Muscal, mm-hmm. 14 minutes. Trey Mann, 16. Isaiah and Aaron Wiggins, 13. That, those are the guys off the bench. You know, yes, maybe at some point you make the change with Muscala. Yeah. Where he, you know, is, isn't playing significant minutes. I mean, he, played, he was a plus 15 in 14 minutes. I was just talking about how there were games where – Muscala like basically won it for them yeah uh maybe that was one of those games but yeah finding minutes for all those guys as long as they all stay healthy is so tough and maybe that's what it is maybe there will be 
you know, a two or three week injury. I didn't even mention that Kenrich didn't play in that game either. I know. Um, maybe there'll be a two or three week injury that just opens up minutes for one of these other bench guys and we can get a little bit more of an extended look. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of uh, wild when those guys don't play or when really there's, there's a lot of times when like anybody doesn't play, you're like, man, you don't sit back and say, well, where's so-and-so or like, where's, you know, yeah. even when Wiggins doesn't play like after it's typically after the game, like, Oh yeah, Wiggins didn't play, you know? Yeah. But now it's like, I don't know. They just have a lot of really good players, and they're not all they re- they're not all really good, but they're just all players that I like. I would they're, say they're all they're all playable. Yeah, and they're all guys that we want to see play. I mean, it's so wild to think back of two years ago when Teo was getting like he put the most minutes the, on the team. Put the most minutes on the team. I think I forgot what it was. Oh, he's twenty. Oh no, that was for points. Never mind. He, he's the twenty eighth uh, highest scorer in Thunder history. Uh, which I, yeah, which I learned from the Poku Stat Tracker uh, Twitter account, <laughs> which I which I double checked to make sure it was true because it sounded so wrong, but it is true. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so yeah, weird. but it's wild to think like a a prospect like Teo could get you know thirty minutes every night. Let's yeah. just see what we got here. We were we were excited. Ooh, could this be a good backup point guard? Meanwhile, now we have guys like whether it's Wiggins or Isaiah Joe, where we're like, this could legitimately be like a top eight rotation guy yeah. on this team at some point, and they can barely get on the court. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even last year, you know, like Isaiah Roby played a thousand minutes for the Thunder. You know. Oh, I know. And oh, like, and I think back to uh, when they had to waive him. There were mm-hmm. some reactions, Andrew, on Twitter. Yeah, there were. There were some reactions. Yeah, there were some Jerome. reactions on Twitter. Tad Jerome played and... 800 minutes. You know, V. Crutchy played almost 700 minutes. Derek, I mean, Derek Favors, who can't get a job right now, played 700 minutes for the Thunder last season. Yeah. And then meanwhile, they replaced all of those guys yeah. with someone better. Yeah. They did not downgrade any one of those spots. No. No, they did not. Yeah. And Isaiah Roby is not shooting 45% from three this season. Yeah. yeah. Uh we got Jay in the chat. Hi, Jay. Jay's in the chat. What's up, Jay? Jay, go to work. <laughs> Get out of here. So they play the Memphis Grizzlies tonight. It's and it's a tough game. I mean, the Grizzlies just play well despite, you know, it doesn't really matter who's in the lineup. The other night they didn't have Ja or JJJ or Bain or John Conchar. Oh, no John Conchar either. And they still won, so I'm looking at the injury report now. I mean, I'm just interested to watch. I'm interested to watch the Thunder every night. They're just really fun. But right now, the Grizzlies, Bane is still out. Um, but Jaw is going to play. JJJ is going to play. So, do you think Mark brings up the fact that we are only days removed from the one year anniversary? of the 73 point loss in Memphis. I think you put it's a bull, that's bulletin board material in the locker room if if it's me. It would be for me too. I want revenge. Yeah. Which might just be a 5 point loss. Yeah, can we, but, can, we can we lose by single digits, please? Yeah. Please. Cuz that that is truly the only like real stain in my opinion. Like the national media will talk about all these other things about the OKC rebuild. Yeah. That game is really the only thing that bothered me just because it set the record yeah and so i want i want revenge for that 
I want to feel good. And so, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, it, it came up. There's a, uh, like a, a channel in our Slack for the athletic. It came up in the NBA channel, you know, people were like, yeah. And somebody want to write, history. A, somebody want to write about this historical moment that the thunder just completely <laughs> crapped the bed. I really night. want, I really want the Spurs to beat it because I do think they're bad enough. They're really bad. They have a, they, like minus I thought they point had a chance the other night. Um, but they eventually got it together to only lose by like 40 or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. They're so bad. <laughs> they they are going to end up with one of the worst point differentials of all time. Yeah. yeah if they, if they continue on this track, what are they at right now? Let me see. They're like minus 10 right now. Minus 11.8. 11 now. So the worst for OKC was two years ago. They were minus 10.6. And that was, that's really bad. Like that's historically bad. I think that's in the top 10 yeah. for all time. 11.6. Like you're getting into rarefied air mm-hmm. at some point. Mm-hmm. I should look up what's, what's the worst point differential of all time. I want to know. Um, it's got to be one of the Sixers like, teams or maybe the Bobcats. It's not the Sixers teams. Um, because it was the 1992-93 Mavs. Okay. What about like in the last 20 years? In the last 20 years, uh, the the 2011-12 Bobcats, Bobcats is the first one. And yeah. then the 2013-14 Sixers. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Thunder played the Grizzlies already this season in Memphis on the 18th of November. That was Shea's worst game of the season. He had 15 points, right? 15 points on 18 shots. Uh, you have to think that Shea's thinking about that too, you know? And, and, I, and I think he's gotten better since then. In fact, we didn't meant to talk about it, but that Atlanta game, the the change from the first half to the second half, because first of all, give Atlanta credit. I thought Clint Capella was like really good around the rim. Yeah. And the shots that Shea did make in that first half were so ridiculous Oh, over, over Clint Capella. Like the angles he had to shoot it at, it was because awesome. of Clint Capella's length was super impressive. So credit to Capella. In the second half, I looked it up. One investment he made was if I have an open lane, I'm just going to try to dunk it instead. Yeah. And not even mess with these guys. And he had two dunk dunks in that game, which may not seem like a lot, but he only has eleven on the season. The, and they they felt different than most Shea dunks. Like most Shea dunks are just like, I have really long arms and I'm just going to place it into the basket. Right. You know, yeah. like he's apple picking or something like he likes, he really like slammed it. You know, that's not a, that's a pretty rare thing for Shea to want to do. So yeah, that fe- it just you, felt different. You go apple picking, Andrew? Uh, uh, no, no, I have In not been apple picking. I've been oh, okay. uh, strawberry picking. Yeah. Yeah. Berries are very big out here. A lot of berry picking. Berry picking is fun. We have a unique berry out here called the Marion berry. What's a Marion berry in? Uh, It's kind of like a combo of a blackberry and raspberry. Oh, is it is good? Is is very good, and you can get like Marion berry shakes. Oh, you're around Pacific Northwest. Get something Marion berry. Ooh, I'm I'm very into that. I I would I'd be very very into that. Um, yeah that that dunk. The the fall after the dunk was kind of scary. It was terrifying. <laughs> terrifying. Thought his leg was gonna snap. There's been a couple different times that Shay has had like these really terrifying falls. Um and this was definitely one of them where he's like hanging on the rim and just kinda lets go quickly as he dunks on a Kong Wu. Uh oh, I wanted to bring this up. 
a lot of people, one, they don't know how to talk about the Thunder. When they're forced to talk about the Thunder because Shea is really good or the Thunder on a winning streak or whatever, people just don't know how to talk about them. And they just want to talk about how they like to rest, guys. And I just want to point out that, like, that fall that Shea had and the hip yeah. bruise, like, he, they could have legitimately sat him out because he didn't look like he was moving great. No, yeah, and no Thunder fan would have blinked an eye. At that point against, yeah, at some points against the Hawks, he didn't look like he was moving great, and you could tell like it's from that hip still. Like, they're not trying to sit him. They're not trying to hold him back. Like They're trying to put this team out there. They want to see well, what they can do. And so I just wanted to point that out because I don't feel like anybody's pointing it out. I still feel like national media, when they're forced to talk about the Thunder, don't understand how to, and they just want to talk, well... Just a matter of time before they sit Shea, you know? And it's like, they could have. They could have sat him during this stretch, this three-game winning streak that could have been, you know, one and two pretty easily if they would have just decided to sit Shea. They could have they, done that, but they didn't. They could have sat him at the beginning of the season when he had the meniscus yes. injury. Yes, there's a lot of and points where they could have. The thing that people really don't get is last year. Because people chalk it up and act like it's the same as the first year yeah. when he played like 35 games. Mm -hmm. He played 56 games last year. The 10 of those was at the very end of the season Yeah, when they were like 23 and 59 or something. And then the other 10 was when his foot literally went sideways. Oh, it was, it was his, so his, bad. The bottom of his foot was uh, perpendicular to yeah. the ground. Yeah. And that was right before the all-star break. So they rested him to the all-star break. Yeah. And so like, I always just want to ask people, like, does it really bother you if a team sits a player in, like, the last 10 games of the season? Yeah. Like, does that really bother you? Because th if that's all it is, then I think that's a really dumb thing to get. Then you're uh, bothered by the about. end of every NBA season for the last 50 years. Yeah, who cares? Like, yeah. if a team is that far out of the playoffs, what is the point of playing a guy? Now, this in this season, there actually might be reason to. Because if Shea legitimately has a shot at all NBA, yeah. maybe he does keep playing to, to continue to rack up the stats. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know. I'm very interested to see how they handle the second part of the season, yeah, me too. which is in part going to be dictated by how they do the rest of December, mm -hmm. um, which they're off to a very good start, Andrew. Very good start. It's a very good start. He, also, if you had asked somebody, hey, any random person that doesn't follow the Thunder, who led the Thunder in minutes last year? Uh, wait, is it Shea? It's Shea. Shea led the Thunder oh, really? in minutes last year. I don't think anybody acknowledges that. I don't think anybody even knows that. I didn't even know that. I mean, it just there's just a lot of things that are just actually just kind of lazy. <laughs> Whenever that's, that's why, like, if they somehow made the playoff play in, yeah, to not get uh, the, the, you know not optimizing your draft pick i get all that i know what the downside is i'm I, it would bother me at some point but you have to admit there is some upside and part of that upside is being able to say things like hey okc got back to the playoffs quicker than the grizzlies who everyone loves yeah the, it took the grizzlies three seasons of not getting there to eventually get there yeah if if okc really does make it as the 10th seed after only two seasons People are going to feel so dumb for wasting so much time on this team. Again, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. I don't think they're going to end up in the play. But it could. But, but like, it could happen. 
it could happen and that is the one little uh, uh sliver of hope for for the tank heads out there yeah well well something nice for you that would happen in addition to getting to see a playing game uh it would be i mean that would be really fun honestly like i would, would be very i would really like to cover that i think that would be just a joy i think it would just be really really fun and i pure joy who knows they, they may they probably lose in that game and like then it's just whatever but i don't know I think there would just, and also it would just like fully stamp like, hey, Thunder ahead of schedule. Ahead of schedule. You still have. Meanwhile, Detroit will be finishing their fourth straight year of like 25 or fewer wins. Of misery. And maybe they get the number one pick and it's like, yeah, this is great. They did the right thing. Now they have Cade and Wimby. Like you're, you're set for the next, you know, 15 years of your franchise. Congratulations. Or maybe they get like the fourth pick and it's just like, yeah. oh, what are we doing here? Um. Yeah, I, I don't think I think the Thunder will pick somewhere between six and ten in the draft. That's that's what I think will happen. Um, but you have to acknowledge, like at this point in the season, that they're not trying to sit Shea. They're not trying to to do all the things that people just lazily talk about. Um, and like this season, sitting guys like Muscala and Kenrich, which they did do last year. Yeah, that all of a sudden like isn't really a tank move. I mean, it is it, it is in some ways, but man, wouldn't it be nice to open more minutes for some of these other guys that we were we, we've been talking about? Yeah, like it is is not going to be the same. You know, going from Mascala to Roby, or going from Kenrich to whoever Veet was playing last year, like is just not going to be the same. Gabby Deck, Gabby Deck, name I haven't thought about in a long time yeah gabby deck was on the we spent a lot of airtime minutes <laughs> talking about gabriel deck do you remember oh i remember i've had even... do you think there do you think there are any deck fans like from argentina who you know obviously were excited about it at the time but but stuck around and they are still thunder fans you think i don't know let us board? know let us know if if that if that's a thing that would be if deck cool. was your gateway drug to thunder basketball yeah. i would love to know that yeah that we held on to at least one deck fan that would be amazing that would make me feel very good from what i understand the deck fans were not happy with the thunder during his that was also here. my understanding and neither was anybody in his camp who i talked to on the reg right after he got waved because they were so unhappy with things um it was just really funny just a really kind of bizarre portion of thunder history you know just it it what that two seasons ago feels like worlds away yeah, remember when they were bringing him over and they were paying all this money for him and, you know, yes. it's like, we really want to get a look at Gabby Deck. And it was like, yep, he's uh, he's not very good. <laughs> and there's a part of me that's trying to be uh, realistic and like, well, maybe we're having dumb conversations now that we'll look back on and that will seem completely ridiculous like maybe yeah. isaiah joe isn't a 45 percent shooter maybe he goes back down to what he's been the last couple seasons yeah. maybe these guys aren't all rotation nba players yeah. because we felt the same thing back in the day about a lot of those guys yeah, I, I think that will be the case i do think that we'll look back and be like man i don't know why i believed all that about aaron wiggins or i don't know why i believed all of that about trey man like remember all the trey man hype you know like 
who, who somebody is not going to work out in this group, you know. But it feels realer. It does, it does feel real. And I it do does. think I was dumb two years ago. In <laughs> we just didn't have a lot to work with, Andrew. We no, had to we come up with I something know. to I, talk I'm about. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, there, we, we needed things to talk about. And, you know, thank God for Gabby Deck. That's all I have to say. I mean, the second half of that season two years ago, remember, there was no Shea. They hadn't drafted Giddy yet. Oh, my gosh. I mean, we were watching bad Poku, in retrospect, bad Poku. At the time, we were like, oh, this is much better than the beginning of the season Poku when he didn't yeah. even look like an NBA player. I know. We were watching a lot of Teo Maladon. There's no fans in the stands. No fans in the stands. I was going, I was going to these games. They'd hand us a box lunch or a box dinner. I'd go sit in a see-through cubicle. To watch these oh, basketball yeah, games, <laughs> and like I'd have to like lean back in my chair to like talk to Royce, who was not working with the team yet, uh, or to Joe or to Brandon Rabar, whoever's sitting there with me. Um, it's just really funny, like to think about like that was not that long ago, you know. Where we're yeah, having... I'm just looking at a random game. So it was Bays, Teo, Moses Brown, Dort, and Roby. As the starters. Oh my god. That is that's a big lineup. That is Bays, Moses Brown, and I Roby. That is gross. That, that is, is big. So and then gross. off the bench, off the bench, Josh Hall, Ty Jerome. This was not even like the last game of the season. Yeah. Josh Hall, Ty Jerome, Jalen Horde, Svi Mihailuk, and Gab Gabby Dick. That is so bad. Oh, Gabby Dick had 16 points in this game. I mean, hey Andrew, maybe he can be something. This is a four-point <laughs> loss to the Kings. Let's just go back and do podcasts from the past. Want to do the oral history of Gabby Deck? <laughs> yeah, it'll be a ten-part YouTube series that we're going to put out. Oh my god, it's so weird. And like now, like Baisley doesn't play at all. Even last year, that seemed like improbable because he started so many games last year. Yeah, and now it's like, yeah, he doesn't play, and you're like, yeah, seems right. Seems yeah, I, I didn't really notice that. No, I noticed it in, what was that game? Oh, the Spurs game, when they scored like 70-whatever points yeah, yeah, in the first yeah. half. That was the game where it felt like, oh, I wonder if they will play Bays because it does seem like we need somebody else who can play defense. And they did eventually play him. But yeah, in that, that Hawks game, I wasn't thinking about Bays during that game. I didn't really notice that he wasn't playing. Yeah, he started 53 games last year, Darius Baisley did. 53 out of the 69 that he played. I mean, that's kind of crazy. This season, he's only played 18 games, has started zero, and has only played 280 minutes total. I mean, he played wild. He made he played almost 2,000 minutes last year. Times are changing, Andrew. Times this are is, changing. This is, a, a, this is an enjoyable season of Thunder basketball. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Uh, okay, we're going to take a quick break right after that. We're going we're gonna to talk about uh, some more Thunder stuff, I guess. All right, we'll be right back. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And we're back after that quick Oh, hey, Andrew, I have a question. Hey, let's hear it. I haven't haven't listened to it yet, so this is the part of the pod where Andrew tells me what the low post was about. Mm. Now, somebody in the comments reminded me yeah, uh, Yanni and Seth Justice. Uh, he had Jonathan Gavoni on, and mm-hmm. they talked kind of young guys. What was your impression of their opinions of some of the Thunder young guys? They're big on on J Dub, big on Jalen yeah. Williams. Like that was kind of the guy they highlighted. And then they they started to talk about Usman. They talked about Usman Jang too, but you could tell that like Zach just didn't know how to talk about Usman Jang yet. <laughs> um which is okay like that's totally fine um most national people should not know how to talk about usman jang yet uh but they talked about jalen williams and how and it was just cool gavoni you can tell really likes what the thunder are doing and really hates what the rockets are doing which is just like it just it just feels good if you're looking for a feel-good day and i don't typically try to promote espn podcast because it's a direct competition but go listen to it i know you're listening to it anyways but go listen to it it's it is a it's an enjoyable listen the first half is a lakers pod which like yeah you can skip right on through that but listen to the gavoni section he talks about the rockets and i like 
He just doesn't understand what their plan is. <laughs> Lowe keeps trying to like pump up some of their guys that they drafted last year. Um, he keeps trying to pump up Jabari Smith, and then Gavoni just keeps like saying, like, well, yeah, that's true, but you can still see all the warts that were there before. You know, and like yeah. keeps like talking about how Jabari can't dribble and Jabari can't score within the arc at all and like doesn't play with any aggression and like you know the, how few of dunks that he had in college last year and how he just you know is not a presence inside whatsoever and so he just he kept talking about that he called Dacian Nix fat uh which is really fun wow and then when they go in to talk about the Thunder he's like yeah like you can see what they're trying to do you can see what they're building and I, I really like this this moment in particular, I thought was really good because I was saying um sometimes and I do this and my, my kids think I'm an insane person, but sometimes I'm like walking around the house, like doing a chore and listen to a podcast, and I'll just start talking, like like talking back to the podcast. Oh um, no. and it's uh yeah, I'm insane. Oh, but that's not good. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh Zach was like, Well, you know, Jalen Williams isn't really a typical Thunder player that they draft. You know, he's not really a guy that he's he's not a guy that the Thunder draft. He you know, he's not crazy athletic. He doesn't have crazy length. And I that's this moment where I start talking. You know, I just start talking back. To Arguing the pod, to the podcast. I'm like, "Listen, no. Like he actually is a typical Thunder player. Things times are changing, Zach. Like you missed the train. Like this is the this is the typical Thunder player. Like guys that know how to handle and make decisions and then Gavoni just like just slides right in and like says almost everything that I was trying to say. Oh wow. So, so he was listening to you. He was and then parroted he back heard me. Said. He heard me. I felt heard in that moment. No. Well, the only the only non-thunder thing about J Dub is his age. Like I feel like when you're looking at sure who they've t- typically taken in those spots, that's the only thing that really stands out to me. Length though, I mean he's got a seven two yeah. wingspan. That's and that's yeah. where Gavoni was like, No, 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 he's got a seven two wingspan. And Zach was like, He's got a seven two wingspan. You know, it was uh <laughs> It's great. It was very enjoyable. And there's been there's been a lot of good content. A lot of people are noticing, you know, Jalen Williams and what he's done and Which is kind of cool because his counting cool. stats aren't there's, like, they're, they're not gonna blow you away. Yeah, they're not eye popping. So, yeah. Yeah. So the fact that people are talking about him in that way is, is exciting. You bringing up uh Houston. Yeah. Why don't we just real quick uh just refresh our memory of, of some of the picks we have going forward and think about those teams, how they're doing right now, because I think it'll make you feel better. <laughs> uh, so Houston, obviously we got their pick next year, protected one through four. I I feel like I'm still like iffy on that pick because I don't totally know what they're going to do. I don't, I, I don't know that there's a scenario unless they use the only scenario is they use their cap space right that's that's the question to go get somebody like that's the only that's the only thing if they just draft somebody and carry on with what they're doing they're gonna be a bottom four team again like stamp it i don't care if it's wimby i don't care if it's scoot henderson i don't care who it is yeah you can just rubber stamp bottom five team agree then we have the 24 first round pick from utah which is protected one through ten that kind of feels like that'll probably convey in 24 i mean we'll see they very if, well could if they if if they don't make a huge pivot, trading away multiple guys, you could that get could yourself, very likely could, could get yourself the sixteenth pick or something. Yeah, and then the one that's starting to feel a little bit juicier for me is the 
25 first rounder for Miami. Yeah. Because yeah, I was, I was thinking about this last night <clears throat> as I'm watching Miami lose to Detroit. Yeah. So they're not looking good right now. And it's less about this season because remember the, the way this becomes valuable is Miami needs to be a lottery team in 25. Yeah. So that you get it unprotected in 26. I mean, mm-hmm. this is so far away. Mm-hmm. It's probably not going to happen because, yeah, it feels like things are rough right now, but they'll probably do some free agent thing and it'll all work out. Yeah, exactly. But right now, that's feeling kind of good. The other one that's feeling kind of good is that 25 Philly pick, <laughs> who is also looking like a mess. We have their oh 25 gosh. pick only protected one through six in 25. Yeah, that that feels really good, too. Yeah, that Philly team is an absolute mess. Harden will not be good by then, guaranteed. Like, absolutely guaranteed will not be good. And they, they don't have Tyrese Maxey right now, and, like, you can you – can, you notice it, like, pretty significantly. That game against the Rockets was one of the grossest basketball games I've ever watched. It was so bad. When it went into overtime, I'm just like, no. No, I don't. I, I don't want to watch one more second of this game. It was so right. bad. Ugh. So yeah. So I'm. I'm overall, and I didn't even mention the Clippers picks. They're kind of up in the air. But you, yeah, you can't feel like even if you're excited that Kawhi was back and that they beat the Charlotte Hornets, you still got to feel weird about like when is this ever going to be real? Is yeah. this ever going to be real? Yeah. I'm... The downside with those picks is that it. It also doesn't feel like they're ever going to bottom out completely. Yeah, but. yeah. I was going to say they may end up that 12th pick may have been the highest that we get. Right. And, yeah, which but, is fine. Yeah, and if I mean honestly, like you just look at that trade, and one you you're kind of like, hey Sam, good job making sure that you took Jalen Williams with one of the Clippers picks because it just yeah, I don't make that trade. It makes the trade look even more ridiculous. Like if if the trade was just Shea and J Dub and like that's it, you would be like, oh my gosh, the Thunder absolute uh, like they just absolutely fleeced the Clippers and like Trey Mann's in it and like Trey hadn't played well, but we have seen like Trey as like one of the filthiest stepbacks in the league. He just needs to get back on track. But then you include all the future picks and you're like, holy smokes, like this could be like one of the best trades of all time <laughs> you know yeah, for, for a for team sure. and it's not like it's different than obviously this is different than like the Kwame Brown for Pau Gasol like that's probably like tops or it's just like how did they pull this off you know like the Clippers obviously got a really good player they went to the Western Conference Finals yada yada all that's great you know things have not turned out the way the Clippers have wanted you know that that Western Conference Finals run was really fun but it never felt like oh they're they're on their way to the finals. Like they're going to steamroll the finals. It felt like, oh, that's cool that they made it this far. Like, congratulations to them. They paid a very steep price, and are and are and it's still not clear what that looks like. If they have a, another year, like maybe Kawhi's done, Paul is hurt, and like, who knows? Like all a lot of the role players they have now are older, you know, past their prime. It's like, what do they even look like in two seasons? Like, I don't. I don't have any clue. It could be actually kind of brutal where like the pick swaps that they do have moving forward actually would convey where the Thunder are better than the Clippers. I mean, the Thunder have a better point differential or a better net rating and point differential than the Clippers today. So, And they're so hamstrung because even in two seasons, you have two $49 million player options for PG and Kawhi. But then you still, you're still have 
two more years of Norman Powell. This is in the 24-25 season. They're still going to be paying Norman Powell $19 million that year and $20 million the following year. Yikes. I say hamstring them because even though he's a good player, like even at that point, like Marcus Morris could be off the books, Rocco, Batum, like John Wall. All, all of these guys, guys could be, be off the books. retired, honestly, in two years. And, and they still wouldn't have room yeah. to make like, a major move. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's looking good for the thunder not as good as like <laughs> not as good as lakers picks for the pelicans no 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 you know? that would that, man we would have a, a separate podcast if we owned that lakers pick i would st- it would just be a separate lakers down to dunk podcast i would, we would start it follow the lakers i would start a permanent tuesday podcast if we had that would be a blast lakers picks just yeah. reviewing the week in lakers yeah i just it would be the same show every week where we just read out what's going on with the lakers <laughs> yeah. with what their record is you know that they're not i mean oh my gosh it's crazy even if that's just like and that could end up just being like the 12th pick again but i hope it is if you're a team like the pelicans and you get to the 12th pick it's like some i mean it's even crazier than the thunder just because they're a little bit farther down the road than okc is but you know what do you last thing so the the pelicans are in a similar position to the thunder they're obviously a better team they're further down the road They've what they did last year was really impressive and really fun, and they've got a lot of really good players. But if you could swap rosters today and swap situations with the Pelicans today, would you do it? Um, so I get the Lakers pick too. Yeah, I get all their you get everything. Yeah, you get everything. You get everything. Yeah, I mean. I think if Chet was healthy and playing, yeah, I I might lean OKC, but uh, yeah, the combo of Zion who is healthy and is starting to play really well, along with what is probably the deepest roster. I mean, we talk about OKC having feeling like they have a deep roster. They have like real New Orleans depth. Is real like guys you can play in the playoffs depth. Yeah. And you get the bonus of whatever this Lakers pick is going to be. Yeah. Like for right now, I probably go New Orleans. Now, if, if that ends up being the 12th pick and it's just you know, a guy and then Chet comes back next year and is looking like the dreams I have of Chet mm-hmm. plus whoever they get in the draft, you know, maybe I swing the other way. Yeah. But I, I don't want to discredit what New Orleans has built. Yeah, I agree with that. As of today, I would definitely take what New Orleans has. Would you rather have Shea or Zion? Uh, I th- I think I'd rather well, I think I'd rather have Shea. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I see the argument both ways. I just think I just think you need to see health. The health stuff is yeah. scary. Is a lot more scary for Zion than it is for Shea. Yeah. If and and a lot of it with Zion comes down to who he's being paired with. With I feel like that. that's less of a question with Shea. Although I know we have those questions with Giddy, uh, but I, Shea feels like much easier to fit into multiple different styles. Yeah. Um, whereas with Zion, I kind of want to know who is going to be his like front court mate of yeah. the future. Yeah, yeah. You gotta have before you, I totally commit. You have to have a great defender. You have to have someone yeah. that can shoot it a little bit. But I totally understand if people think that's dumb and they would say Zion immediately. Yeah. Because I, I do think Zion is a very special player and is game breaking in the way yeah. that we talk about 
you know, these kind of like real unicorn players. Like I think Steph is like a real unicorn player who like has broken the game. And I think Zion can be that type of game breaking player in the same way that people talk about Wembenyama. Yeah. 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 I, I, I just am saying that it's more of a question than it was last year. Like last year it would have been like, Oh yeah. Like give me, give me the, the situation with the Pelicans like all day, every day over what OKC has done. But they, the, uh, this is just to say, like, OKC's made a lot of progress in the last they have. year. And it, yeah, and it feels like real progress. It does not feel like someone has just gotten, you know, a 10th man has gotten hot from three. Right. I know that some people might say that about Isaiah Joe. It's not <laughs> It's not true. He is this good. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, thanks so much for listening to our show. Enjoy the, uh, the Memphis game tonight. Hopefully it's not another debacle. Uh, Coach Mark, I hope that he's squinting and looking at looking at the players tonight before they go out there and squints real hard and tells them, don't lose by double digits tonight, fellas. Not even double digits. Please. Don't even do it. Maybe Let's even, win by 73. How about that, guys? They, yeah, guys, we're going to flip the script. We're going to win by 73 tonight. <laughs> be unbelievable. Uh, Zaire Williams supposed to come back tonight, possibly. He's questionable. So... That's kind of cool. All right. Thanks so much for listening to our show. We will talk to you guys again on Friday.